Alcohol Beyond This Point Podcast. This isn't two podcasters talking business. This is two business guys trying to podcast. The clap that clap smiles back. Clapper. Wow. Hi. Fantastic entry. <laughs> my name is Entry. And, and my name is Fantastic. And welcome to the Fantastic Entry Show, <laughs> where we rate uh, entries. Goddamn based... best opening of a podcast. Um, I'm Tyler. My name is Willows. Great. Got it. Perfect. Awesome. Cut Great. the rest out. Okay, bye. <laughs> uh, I actually kind of feel that way right now. I'm like, I don't know why, but I just seem to make it a make it a hobby or a habit to uh, just always work 12 plus hour days on podcast nights. And uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I find it funny that you're like, Earlier this summer, you're like, work-life balance. I'm not never going to work a weekend again. But then you just work 14 hours every day instead of working weekends. Yeah, So true. it's like, it's probably more time. No, it's just, it's just podcast nights. Because you don't want to see me sooner. I, Yeah, for sure. I No, I probably did a solid 30 hours last week. It was pretty chill. I thought you were going to say today. It's like, yeah, me too. <laughs> no, I think I did 30 hours last week. It was really chill. But the week before that, it was, I don't know, probably like 60. So, How much do like people usually work? 40, right? 40 is standard, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um, I either work 150 or or 7. True. Um, so it averages. It averages out to like a real job, <laughs> I, I'd say. Yeah, no, you're probably right. Um, yeah. And that's just what I have get for working in a really seasonal business. Yeah. Yeah. There's some benefits to that. Definitely. I, I think a lot like we're, I'm only a couple employees away from completely disconnecting for six months of that of the year. Yeah. True. That'd be pretty sweet. Yeah. I'm, uh, man, I can't express how much I want to get out of the service industry, like in the next five years like as it because it's just a rat race tyler right? works at wendy's if yeah. that wasn't obvious the service yeah. industry yeah yeah um no even as a contractor which i am oh yeah um can i have a service studio shirt you can have this no one. i don't want that one <laughs> <laughs> it's literally in tatters uh possibly um i think we just got a shipment so i'll see if there's any kicking around maybe i'll just sling you one um but yeah, I think like the the service industry is like although it, there's constantly more money coming in and more business coming in, it's just it's fucking punishing, man. Like, I I'm fine with being in it, but it the it's just kind of depressing. Also, at the same time, realizing that it's like in literally overnight, it can evaporate for you. Like you you see established contractors sometimes fold up in you know six months. They have a couple people quit, and it's just like a snowballing effect. Or um, my drama of this week is our uh, gl- uh, glass supplier, tempered glass supplier. They do shower doors and stuff. The owner uh, died a few months ago, and it, but I guess, got taken over by someone else. I don't know if it was like an inheritance thing or whatever, or sold. But the new owners are, for some reason, they literally want to run it into the ground. Like their mood, like it's it's hard to describe how shitty they are (laughs) but it's like 
they they basically said we're just gonna jack up the prices so high and so fast that hopefully all the customers leave and then we can close the doors that's like their business strategy and i don't understand why i think it's because it's an inheritance thing and i don't know why they don't just sell the business i don't know what's going on but basically um it's usually should be like a two to three week turnaround for product i'm running on like month four for something right now and then they fucked it up and then apparently half the people quit in that period of time and then because all these people have quit there's literally one guy left in the company that can like competently actually take and make orders and he's been on vacation for two weeks and will be on vacation for another week yet and then the only other person left in the office got hired like 30 days ago she doesn't know what the fuck's going on and then it's like I'm like well, okay well when can I get the replacement product and they're like three months or sorry two months uh, four to six weeks plus the week and a half to get it like settled out with the order taker it's like fucking hell it's like just just refund my money man. <laughs> at this like, point yeah. i can go scout out another company create an account with them start cold and probably get my product sooner than you can rectify the thing you fucked like incredible that a business like that is so busy they can't keep up yeah yeah. Incredible. Like, yeah. I got to get into fucking glass, man. Like, <laughs> we're does... getting it all the way from Vancouver. Yeah. Our, our two options are we have a Vancouver location. Uh, we have one in Regina that we use. And I think now we're using another one in Calgary. But it's like, there's literally like one or two per province. We don't use the Winnipeg guys because they're so shitty. And it's like, it, it makes very little difference for us whether we use Winnipeg guys or Vancouver guys, apparently. But... Yeah, I'm like, I got to get into the fucking tempered glass business. I just remember you telling me when you started into contracting, something along the lines of, like, in this city, if you just, like, pick up the phone and do the job for the money they pay you, yeah. you're, like, already past 50% of the contractors in this city. Yeah, no, I think I was told the bar was even lower, but this was for, <laughs> for drywallers, granted, but... Um, I just see people, like, st every day... I see people post on Facebook like my, this contractor stole my deposit and like yeah. just disappeared and fucked this up and nailed into a fucking pipe and like all this shit. It's just like I've what I've heard from people that are like in painting and kind of the more simple like low low barrier to entry trades are like if you have a your own truck and you show up on the day that you said you were gonna show up, he's like you're the top five percent. <laughs> that which is incredible. And yeah. that's that's where you have like um are you familiar with um what is it like the student was it student works? No, not student works. Oh the uh, painting one? Yeah. Was, yeah. Is it called student no, work? No, no. no. Um something pros, right? Oh, yeah. Why can we never remember things on this podcast? Probably has to do something to do with the drinking that we're doing. I but think a college pro. That's college it. pro, there you go. So col you a say? college pro franchise. It's one of those businesses. It's like it's almost like a breath on mirror business. It's like, <sighs> yep, Fogs, you're hired. Definitely. Well, is it? I think College Pro is one of those you got to pay them, right? Yeah, it's, it's like, franchise. Yeah. Yeah, it's like one of those not really a scam, but like kind of. It's a it's a decent business, but like it, kind of like an MLM it's sort just, of situation. It just, just has a lot of churn. Yeah, because like, um, which I guess is kind of what it's designed to do. It's like it's to get. Like it's kind of got an MLM feel to it, but yeah, 
you're basically supposed to i think the idea of it is you're supposed to kind of get your stripes running that kind of business and you hear a lot of entrepreneurs start their careers uh just with like a painting business because it's very very low barrier to entry very little equipment um don't need a lot of training fucking kill me if i have to paint all day yeah do you remember painting my bar yeah terrible that almost ruined my life yeah it was terrible <laughs> i didn't i didn't like one minute of it. if you're a painter and you love it like I, I i know some painters and they fucking love their job it's like great good for you but it's like they're at a level of craft you know where they're getting sought out yeah great there's that in every category but man what a fucking rough industry to be in and i don't know it's like even even with our best best clients best and favorite clients we're going through something right now where it's like they're upset at us because we sent them a massive final invoice on a project um let's say it was about a quarter mil was the total scope and the final bill was like all the overages above the initial quote and budget and the overages are like creeping up to like 30 g's which is obviously a pretty big bill to get at the end of a project in addition to paying out the project but it's like it's a list and we've been floating the cost of that like since the beginning 15 percent over yeah but we've been like every single time and none of them are our fault it's like with the builder you know some floors were really fucked up so we had to spend like six grand in like leveling compounds to like flatten out a floor is that that's because the framing was so bad it's it, like get mad at your framers and we got authorization in order to spend the money and it's like and they're still getting fucking mad at is us. that common for like stuff to go well over a quote i mean 15 percent is like not crazy but typically we don't go over at all yeah it's, wait typically you don't or typically contractors oh don't? typically contractors do Okay, I've never our, had anything built for me. But so. like, yeah, home builders almost always go over budget and over time because they're they're gonna price um, optimistically or give timelines optimistically when they're trying to win the bid. So you should do the opposite, over, over under promise, over deliver, right? Oh, like, we do. That's fucking step one in any service industry. Yeah, we do. But like I said, none of these things were our mistakes. It was just things on the builder side, and it was additions that were made along the ways and like decisions made by the designer and by the builder like of additional things that they wanted and we were sending them every time we'd add on a new thing we would send them a new update it was all in a spreadsheet completely itemized day by day every time something was added we let them know how much money it was as it went along but we're i'm 99 sure they never looked at the fucking spreadsheet i never look at the spreadsheet <laughs> yeah so n- then they get the bill and they're like what the fuck and now they've uh uh, we we had their our next big project in hand that was going to be like you know in the six figures again, and uh, they just pulled they just rug pulled it out from under us because like you went over week, the budget a week the before one. we're supposed to start. Not ideal. Yeah. So I mean it's fucking shitty. I mean not not that we're like in need of work or anything because we just also on the same day got another one of the biggest custom home builders in the city the owner contacted us directly like that's a great thing about our network is we're not even like we're not even subject to well contract contact the project manager put in your bid it's like we're doing the owner's house and then if he likes us he's gonna be like okay we want you as a mainstay so it's we're getting in those doors and that but at the same time having this we have this amazing relationship or have had this amazing relationship with this great builder that's been like really good and it's just 
it's being soured over this stupid thing that has nothing to do with us. It's just incompetence of earlier trades that we're left to fix. And it's just because we have such a high standard, all of a sudden it's biting us in the ass. I don't know. It's like these types of things with service industry, you're going to like at every level, you see it at if you're doing 10 and 11 figure contracts, it'll be the same fucking story if you're doing, you know, $10,000 contract or $500 contracts. It's the same fucking problems and never goes away. And it's like, it, it has its own headaches. But yeah, again, it's like you can just be crushed in a year by having like something like that go sideways, right? Or go backwards on you. It's like your entire profit margin can be wiped out. Well, I guess like one or two people like one or two contracts like that that just like refuse to pay you or something yeah or just take forever to pay you can be just as bad that's true yeah yeah. even, even though if, yeah it could be what it would do you have net terms usually uh typically uh typically stuff's paid pretty fast and usually they pay pretty quickly what are your terms typically like how long um well we usually invoice stuff um we get like a deposit for materials and stuff, so we don't yeah. have to float that. What you should so fifteen like twenty five percent? Well that of the total invoice, materials can be anywhere from twenty five to seventy five percent. Sure, but what do you usually take as a deposit? Ba- like Whatever the materials float- are. Oh okay. Floating based on the project. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. we we build the materials in in advance and then we on the back end we charge the labor. Yeah. So front front hundred okay. percent of the labor. Okay. But the uh, the terms on that is usually less than thirty days. Okay, yeah, because I get paid like net thirty for all my liquor that I sell. Yeah, usually to big it... stores. That's pretty standard. But like our friend that had a snow removal business, he was getting paid like net one hundred and twenty. Yeah. From but it was a city contract. Like it was a it was a town of like what two hundred fifty three hundred thousand people. That yeah. he had the municipal government as a client, and they're like, "Yeah, we'll pay you in fucking six months, and you either like it or don't fucking shovel for us, right?" Yeah. Like, so it was like he had to, but then it was that was like millions of dollars or like hundreds of thousands of dollars at least that he didn't see for six months. So he has to go through like an entire snow season fronting it, fronting it. Yeah, yeah, which is really hard to do. And they're like, "Get another, like, we'll find somebody else then, right?" Yeah. So they had him by the balls, but like. Um, yeah, like, cause like if somebody, if this client was like, okay, like, I guess they paid for all the, um, materials. So you're not out on that. But if they're like, well, I fundamentally disagree with this overage. Yeah. So I'll see you in court and then go to small claims. And that takes fucking nine months. Like you could in theory be out tens of thousands of dollars for. And they're not paying you interest on that time. No, no. (laughs) I mean, unless the court you know, rules it obviously, but yeah. you know, if there's a dispute, like it's uh yeah, like it, it's scary. Right. That's, that's why we pay every, almost all of our bills and invoices paid by credit card. <laughs> Fuck yeah. So then you have, that's, you have create those, your own net 30. <laughs> well, you ha- yeah, exactly. You have those protections, right? Where if, I mean, if you, for example, this glass that we paid for, if they don't want to refund us, we'll just do a fucking charge back, charge back. Like, um, because they didn't sell you what they yeah. said they were going to sell. And you. if they don't want to refund me, like, fuck oh. off. I didn't get what I ordered. Like, yeah. I'm not paying for this. And it's like, 
as a vendor, you don't want to deal with chargebacks because it fucks your credit. Yeah, well, remember... It's like having a collection. It's worse. It's the equivalent of having an open collection and then trying to go and get a car loan. Like, yeah. that's, that's how much it messes up a business. So, fun fact, if you want to fuck up a company that's being really shitty... Maybe to don't tell people this because... <laughs> well, no, it's something that people should know, especially entrepreneurs. Like, it's a very powerful tool. Yeah, and well, me and you, have, I think, have been on this podcast saying... That's like the shittiest thing you can do to a small business for like, if you're trying to scam them. Well, do it for cause. If you're trying to scam them, like it's not going to actually impact them long term. Yeah. It's it's going to be a short term pain in the ass. Yeah, because then once Visa or whoever does their investigation, they'll be like, ah, oh, no, fuck you. You're just trying to right. and scam will, them. And they'll, they can release it pretty quickly. But if you have a just cause, then it can drag on. Yeah. yeah. And, and then it, every time you get your credit pulled, it, those are there. Yeah, and if there's settlements against you, it can uh, it can damage your ability to get uh, merchant services. And for those of you who don't know what merchant services are, if you go to a store that doesn't take credit or debit... It's probably because MasterCard's like, uh, no, you're a credit risk. Get the fuck out of here. Or they're tax evading. Mood. Yeah, so either Just they're kidding. doing it by choice or they've been told that they can't and they're not credible. <laughs> so it's like there's a, there's a big security blanket system set up with using credit cards it's like i have a so i have a allegedly i do a lot of farmers markets no wait that's not alleged i do a lot of farmers markets in the summer yeah. but allegedly i have friends that i do farmers markets with that some of them it's getting much less common nowadays to take only cash yeah i knew a couple farmers like back in the day that would just do cash and i know a couple still but uh, most people have debit machines square especially and, um, but I know a couple people allegedly that, um, will tell CRA about all the debit sales and then be like, yeah, I don't take cash at markets. Yeah. That's just too much of a hassle, but they do. And then they just don't claim declare any of that cash Fair. And like my one friend, his mortgage is in his, uh, girlfriend's or wife's name. Yeah. Not he's like, it's not a co-mortgage situation because they wanted, her to get the first time homebuyers thing or whatever. Yeah. Um, so he just gives her cash for half of the mortgage every month. Right. And then how the fuck are they supposed to know? Right. Like, so well laundered. That's what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, and he also runs a service. I'm not going to say any more information than that because you'll be able to know who he is, but he runs a service based business without a product. Right. So money's like literally created out of nowhere. Yeah. So, so fuck off. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's why a lot of contractors do side jobs for cash. Like it's it's almost ubiquitous. Except uh, like, remember price, CRA so. sued Rona. Yeah. And Home Depot. And they had to give them all the receipts to their contractor credit cards. And they did it. Yeah. Because people were buying materials for cash or not for cash, but for on on their contractor card yeah. doing cash jobs and then not claiming the, yeah, the so, tax money. So, so the CRA made them give up all the material costs. Like, well, where'd all these fucking tile go? Yeah. And then uh, audited a ton of people. Yeah. So that's, I mean, sl sloppy on their part too of the contractor. Oh yeah. No, if you're going to do, if you're going to fucking tax evade, buy everything in cash with no paper trail. <laughs> like, yeah. That 3% discount you're getting is not worth it destroy the fucking receipts and pay in cash yeah yeah it's because they can't they can't not cash in those vip like member points yeah <laughs> and Which, that's that's just getting the uh, greedy 
Which, yeah, which is stupid. If you're going to break the law, don't get greedy, right? Yeah. Get away with what you can get away with. Don't fucking push it. Yeah. So that's, yeah, one of my, that's my, one of my grievances of the service business. I mean, on the flip, obviously there's a lot of benefits, but I'm, I'm just going to complain today. Um, that's an, fine. We're allowed. Yeah. Another one that um, I was, I, I don't know how much weight to give this intel. Um, and obviously I'm not going to name names or give any specifics but i got this from a competitor of this company so i mean take it with a grain of salt i guess or maybe it's a good source i don't know um if if they've got the dirty on their on their competition um whatever i'm i'm taking it with with a grain of salt but anyways as a small guy working for a big builder especially if they're really ambitious as a big builder um one thing you do have to worry about is that they, especially if you're working with them a lot, uh, that they're going to come in and fucking headhunt your talent. Oh, steal your people? Yeah. And oh, off, that's interesting. And offer them more money because they're paying, you know, the subcontractor obviously higher than the hourly value of the people on site because of whatever the cost of running a business. Yeah. It's usually roughly a 2x markup, right? So they, they're like, well, I'd rather you know pay that guy 30 percent over what he's getting paid right now and i'll save money in the end yeah and that's interesting allegedly this is happening um but they're doing it in a real sneaky way okay and they're even paying like hush up bonuses to people that they're headhunting is this like to like so that those guys will go and say no i solicited the job they didn't solicit this wouldn't me. be illegal or anything no, it's just really shitty to do. Yeah, of course. But and like if you yeah. just business, right? I mean, it is yeah, it's it's just it is just business. There's nothing illegal about it, but it's like it's you if you are completely dependent on your subtrades in order to pull off the work that you do. Yeah. You cannot be without them and then you're well, turning around and see dismantling their businesses I, and then you know, discontinuing their contracts with you because now you have all their talent. Here, I'll um, I'll play the other side of this debate. Um, although I'll I'll start it by saying I understand where you're coming from and how it's a shitty thing to do, but cut out the middleman, right? Yeah, I mean, like it, why pay a markup? Yeah, to somebody when you can just do it yourself, right? Like, yeah, I mean, it's it's pragmatic, but again, it's like it's a scorched earth way of running a business. Yeah, and and I I think me and you both share the idea that like you can only run a scorched earth business for so long. Yeah. Like eventually you're, it's going to catch up with you, whether you call it karma or whatever. Eventually, I think if you fuck everyone over, eventually it's going to catch up with you. Yeah. So and you can only do that for so long. Yeah. So there's another business that uh, is in a similar position, but in when they want to headhunt people, uh, they, they actually won't accept job applications from anyone that works from any subtrade contractor so they so not only will they not solicit but they don't actually accept um Application. accept applications and but if they do and they're actually really interested in someone they'll approach the business owner and say you know we are interested in hiring your employee xyz um if you're willing to release them let's work out a price that you're willing to settle and they'll pay like you know, sometimes as much as five or ten thousand dollars cash to that business, and then they'll take the employee. That's like a sever. They'll pay out like a big severance fee. Okay. 
and that's how they like maintain their happy relationships yeah yeah which is like that's pretty good so i mean it's not that this other company couldn't af- they, this other company could absolutely afford to do it like more than more than easily afford to do it but they just but so wait did this happen to you did you did no. your guy that quit get stolen no no but i know um like when i mentioned you know companies just evaporating in six months uh there's yeah there's a really good contractor he's probably in his late 40s he had a he had a group of maybe 14 guys and i think now he's down to four had to sell half of his equipment and because they all got poached they all got poached interesting they're all working for big big builder guy do you think someone's trying to fuck him specifically or i don't know it's just business i don't know man yeah it's it's rough i mean guy got fucking like covid on site and came back and his company was gone <laughs> it was fast hey snooze you lose right <laughs> guess so but it's, it's like um, snooze you lose you're up against a 65 year old company with tens yeah. of millions of dollars of like liquidity at any given moment yeah yeah it's um there's definitely something to be said about um obviously it goes without saying i'm a supporter of small business and uh local business and whatnot it's just anti like so it's antitrust behavior which i think is shitty i go up against the government every single day yeah and and business doesn't get or there's no enemy larger than the federal government right true i'm rewatching uh boardwalk empire right now but they're also not trying to open a winery yeah well kind of right they manage (laughs) all the liquor stores so um, I'm rewatching Boardwalk Empire right now, and it's about a bootlegger. Yeah. And uh, there's an episode where uh, his wife says they're she's ca- really Catholic, and he was raised Catholic, but he's not doesn't believe in God anymore. And uh, she's like, "Don't you believe in a higher power?" And he's like, "The federal government comes to mind because <laughs> he's like getting indicted." But yeah. <laughs> like, and um, I was just thinking about that, like uh, the like. I have empathy for people, but at the same time, it's like no one said starting a business would be easy. Right. Right. It's fucking hardcore a lot of the time. And I think a lot of people need to hear this is like a lot of people get into business because they think it's going to be easy money and everyone's going to be nice to them. And it's like, it's not like that. Right. Yeah. And something like your industry, especially is, is because it has such a low barrier to entry and it's filled with meatheads, evidently. Um, (laughs) It's uh, very cutthroat. Right. And, and people don't really, they're not thinking about the small business that they're going to destroy by stealing all the employees. They're thinking about the methadone they can buy um, <laughs> True. with the, with the extra money that they're earning. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, I don't know, hard, uh, something about hating players and games, right? Like it's uh, true. You know, this is the, the situation it, we've all, yeah, it's just frustrating for a lot of small businesses when you're running up against, you know, yeah, multi, like billion. Well, it's dollar like Walmart putting little mom and pop shops out yeah, of business, it's, right? It's like, frustrating as fuck. What do you do? I mean, right? It turn turning people communist, I guess. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's that's the that's the uh, inevitable conclusion of capitalism is just complete consolidation of the industries. Yeah, I always find it interesting when like people that self describe themselves as like conservatives, yeah, um, start kind of getting disenfranchised with capitalism, but they typically blame communism for it. 
Right. Like, look at everything's getting consolidated, and there's only going to be two companies. Fucking communism. Literally, yeah. Like, it's, yeah, it's, it's it, interesting. It's <laughs> mental gymnastics. It's which it is, is fine. It and is that, bloody amazing. And, and like yeah. as JL says, that just comes from an uneducated populace, right? Well, it's not not. Yeah, I guess it's intentionally uneducated and well propagandized populace. Yeah, correct, correct. Yeah, one and the same. One and the same. Unfortunately, uh, yeah, I don't know. It it sucks, but at the same time, it's like the, there our business. Even if this happened, like I wouldn't really be in peril. Um, it's just scaling that's really really hard. I mean, well, go like figure. you and your partners, like your loyal loyalists. You yeah. could all run the business still, even if you lost all your other people. Right. And... Would still be in demand, would still get work. Yeah, and that's the same thing with, like, me too, is, like, Zach and I could run the winery yeah. by ourselves. If I lost my staff, it would just be a lot more work, more headache, and probably less sales. Yeah. But we could... It would still be alive, right? Yeah. And same with your business, I mean. Exactly, right? Yeah. And that's because we're fortunate... Or unfortunate that we still have a big hand in the business and do a lot and are required to be there every day and uh, et cetera, I mean, et cetera. You got it's it's an element of retaining um, relevancy in your own company. Like it's a big thing. Like there's a there's a precious balance between letting your business do its thing and let your employees do their jobs without being a fucking asshole and hovering over them. But there's also something to be said about, like, you have to maintain relevancy and actually contribute to your business on a daily basis. Because if you don't, I mean, that shit can get away from you real quick. Well, you you look at, like, um, especially big companies. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, like, public companies with boards of directors and stuff. Um, often, founder CEOs will get ousted from their own companies. Yeah. Steve Jobs is one of the best examples, right? Yeah. Where Steve Jobs was undoubtedly the creative mastermind behind apple right like apple would have never been anywhere near without him not just the creative mastermind but the fucking like slave driving okay. project manager yeah no i know all the bad stuff but like without him I, that i mean company... that in a good way <laughs> okay that well, that's com... why they got so much shit done like that company wouldn't have flourished without his creative mind right no and they ousted him from his own company um I forget how long he was gone for. It was years. Yeah. Three or five years, something like that. In which, in his free time after getting ousted, he founded Pixar. Um, didn't found <laughs> like, it, but... Like, came they, on really early, right? Yeah, they were... They existed, and then he basically came on board and turned them into what they are. Yeah, and then made a bunch of money and did a bunch of shit back, and then, like, bought his way back in and then kicked out that, and then took back yeah. yeah like toy story exists because of steve jobs and yeah. like 3d animation as it stands today was kind of he was one of the fathers of that um anyway but that was that's just an example but like a lot of big companies will get rid of their founders because they sit around the board and they go what does that guy actually do anymore yeah like yeah sure his dad founded the company or he founded the company well, it's but more it's so like, it's more so he's a, he's a liability and he's in the way yeah yeah and um he's doing too much and like this is a fiction example but i uh, the united states office um steve carell is the manager right mm -hmm. but every there's a few episodes where he has to go along on the sales calls yeah and he's like the best salesman yeah and it's but he's like an idiot but it works every fucking time yeah um and all the other characters are always surprised but then he's like 
something along the lines of like you like sometimes you have to come back out of retirement to prove that you are the best like you're in your position he's the manager of that branch for a reason one of my favorite things about that show is when he occasional like handful of times probably less than five times the entire series where he kind of breaks character and you can see that he's actually like doing a bit okay like, i don't know what you're saying like he's he's not actually the fucking crazy guy that walks down the office and is like completely aloof and whatever he's like he knows exactly what he's doing and he's completely present and well, he's completely my, intentional and in, in all the crazy shit he does my favorite and it's not like either of us are like office fanatics, but like my favorite, I mean, <laughs> my favorite subplot in the entire series by far is I think it's four or five episodes of the Michael Scott paper company where he gets fired mm -hmm. and he starts his own competing paper company in the same building. Yeah. In like some closet. And uh, Pam goes with him for some reason. Yeah. Cause she's like sick of being a secretary. And then he hires Ryan who was like the CEO or the CFO or whatever and got fucking frauded the company and then yeah. got like kicked out. So it's the three of them and they run Dunder Mifflin basically out of business until they buy them back, buy the company out and give them jobs and give yeah. them raises and everything. And, um, there's that one scene of them in the boardroom and, they're like, okay, we're prepared to make you an offer of like $12,000. And Michael's just like, I'm so insulted. Like, <laughs> you know, whatever. And he's like, okay. Um, well, like we, okay. We can give you like 60,000 or something. It's like a giant offer, like whatever. Right. And then Michael's like, no. And then Ryan and Pam are like, what the fuck are you talking about? And then he, he's like, um, you have a board meeting coming up forever, right? And he's like, I think it's it's the end of the quarter and you have a board meeting coming up and uh, you have to explain to them why your most profitable branch is bleeding. He's yeah. like, I don't think I have to outweigh, like wait out Dunder Mifflin. I think I have to just outweigh you because they might want a no change of the CFO or whatever. And yeah. then like Pam and Ryan look in the camera and they're like, <laughs> what? Like he just has this fucking plan. Yeah. And he's like, that's what, like, because he's, been friends with David Walls for 20 years and he's just like fucking like he just lays into him and it's just like oh this guy might actually be a marketing genius yeah or like his Rolodex that he has is way different this different episode but he has the Rolodex that's or I think it actually is that same that same uh, arc where it's like they're color coded but they're kind of color coded like <laughs> green for go ahead and don't talk about it yeah <laughs> <laughs> and like because like Dwight steals his Rolodex to like steal a client yeah he's like how's your gay son he's like excuse me he's like you're 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 homosexual Mark the homosexual sophomore and then it's like a green card and then it cuts to like the interview he's like yeah it's color coded as green for go ahead and don't talk about it <laughs> like, yeah. and he's like yeah most of my cards mean don't say it <laughs> like interesting but it's like was that a was that him fucking up or was that a master plan <laughs> like you know? Yeah, 60 chess. And obviously that's uh, fiction, but uh, it's interesting to be... Like, I think there's something to be said that even though you take a more management position as you grow, because like as, as you do as a, as a business, eventually you need to grow into a more management position. Like, that's what I'm seeing right now, right? Like, mm -hmm. I don't need to be the boots on the ground doing the one-to-one -one sales much anymore. I need to manage the people doing that yeah. to, to help grow. But every so often, it's nice to go and do an event with one of them and prove to them that I am indeed the best salesman in this company by a good margin. Yeah. Because I just am. And that's why I'm the manager. 
Because the last thing I want is my employees to be like, why the fuck am I listening to this guy? Yeah. And also, why do I put up with him? Because <laughs> inevitably, your employees will have to put up with your uh, idiosyncrasies. Hey, I uh, I pay them to put up with my idiosyncrasies. Um, not true. What I do you think, mean not true? <laughs> I think I think most people would disagree. They'd be like, oh, just because you pay me means you can be an asshole to me. I'm not an asshole to them. I'm or very be... respectful to my employees. Uh, you know what I mean. No, I don't, Tyler. <laughs> a lot of employers think they kind of have liberty to misbehave because they're the ones that sign the paychecks. I, yeah, I can see that. I'm not like that, though. Yeah, like people take liberties that they really shouldn't. Yeah. That they don't deserve. Yeah. And that's, that's rough to watch. But, yeah, I think... Um, like, I don't have a problem with being cutthroat in business. Like, I am I am fucking right there, too. Like, I am, I can be cutthroat. Let's do this to... quick. Yeah, okay. So we're just going to take a shot because we need to. I do want to talk about this more, but we're already 40 minutes. we got to move here to the segment that we call Shot Caller, the part of the show where you, the audience, can pick the shot that we take. Today we're taking a Kahlua shot because we're both sleepy. True. And it's coffee, right? Allegedly. But yeah, I learned like I always talk about non-aggression principle. This is going to build off what you're about to say and consent, right? Like, but, and I've said this before, it's kind of controversial, but like if you are in a gang and you get shot, you kind of consented to that because you know, you're in a violent gang. Right. You've like, you've made that decision, right? Especially if you've already crossed the line and committed violence yourself. Exactly. And, and like, and that's why you watch the Sopranos or like Boardwalk Empire that like these gangsters always, they're like, we're soldiers. Right. Right. And like, you've already, like, you might die and that's part of it. You signed up for it. And that's kind of how I think of business as well. Yeah. Is that you kind of, you're signing up for Amazon to fucking cut your throat. You're signing <laughs> because, up to get fucked because it's it's hard, and we live in this capitalist society that's dominated by these giant corporations, you know. And that's all obvious, right? Like, I don't think anyone's like starting a business being like, oh yeah, this is easy. Well, maybe some people. <laughs> Actually, I I take that back. A lot of people are like, this is going to be easy. This I will always, be easier than the job I work. I always feel bad because I do some slower farmers markets. Yeah, like. We do, like, I'm not kidding. Like, we do, like, 15 a week. I do a lot of farmer's markets selling wine. And at the bigger ones, we'll do, like, two, three grand in a, in a few hours, in, like, a six-hour market or whatever. Yeah. And the slower ones, though, I'll do, like, four or five hundred bucks. Maybe even two, three hundred bucks in, like, four hours. Which is, like, not great, but because I do it myself and, uh, you know, the, our profit margins are pretty good. It's, like, it's, you know, I'm, like, fuck yeah, three hundred bucks. When, like, a giant corporation would be like, okay, we're not doing that for $300. Yeah. Right? But I'm like, fuck yeah. Because, <laughs> like, I never... I was homeless when I started this business. I never had fucking $300 in a day. Like... Yeah. In ab- four absolutely. hours. Like, fuck it, right? But I I feel bad because I'll, I'll do these slower markets with brand new businesses, especially during COVID. Because people are starting fucking... They're getting their stimmy checks and fucking starting shitty Etsy businesses. And they don't sell anything. Yeah. And it's just like looking at some of their faces. It's like, oh no, <laughs> like they they just got their spirit crushed. And it's like, you know, not that they're asking for my advice, but like 
most of the people that I see do that don't have a good product. Right. Or don't have a, maybe have a fine product, but it's like so much competition. Like there can only be so many fucking, you know, soap makers yeah. and like makeup people and like photographers selling their framed photos. Like there can only be and so many of that. Right. Sterling silver jewelry. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, you buy the jewelry kit on, on Amazon, right? Like stuff like that. There can only be so much. And, uh, I always feel bad because I, they did that person did Becky making a sterling silver jewel business over COVID think like a oh, business is fucking hardcore. It's cutthroat. I need to like go in there and like, probably not. Right. It's like, Oh, I'm going to make cute little necklaces. Not thinking about what that industry is about. Yeah. Like most people like those kind of entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, let's say, sure. Um, they probably don't have like a big picture, like they didn't do like a analysis in their business plan if they even wrote one on like the industry and like how it could fuck them and like whatever. But that's like all me and you think of all day. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so. Oh yeah. Like I like not to toot my own horn, but that's what this podcast is for. So fuck off. I spent the initial years of getting into business or wanting to get into business, I just studied human nature. Yeah. Which is like a really weird way to get into business where that's all I thought about and all I read about is like, what is the, um, what are the innate ways that people organize themselves and how do they choose their leaders and how do leaders um, maintain, you know, good leadership over their people in a way that their people continue to consent to having that person as their leader and choose them. And then when that person leaves, it's like, that's even though they necessarily weren't bringing, you know, hard value to the company, uh, there's material loss. It's like, what, what, what is, what makes it, what makes a leader great? What makes a company great? What makes, and then from that, what makes people buy things? What makes people spend money? What makes people, um, afraid what makes people not spend money and like consumer psychology but it all comes down to just human nature right if you understand those principles you can kind of extrapolate anything and I think the whole idea of like assuming that people are going to treat you nice <laughs> is because is is not necessarily naivete which I mean it is but it's an optimism in people when it's like, I like this person, therefore, they probably like me, therefore, like, we're going to act like friends. When in reality, people only like you usually as far as they can use you. Yeah. Like, in most situations. I'm sorry, honey. It's That's how it is. Most you... people only like as far as they can use you. And that, that goes for most friendships, too. Did you have an optimism when you got into business? No. Yeah, I'm just full of cynicism as far as, I didn't, like... I didn't have a fucking bone of it. Yeah, I don't like, think so. Yeah. I never had, I never had, like, the only point that I ever had a chip on my shoulder where I was, like, I was cocky and, like, coming in with a lot of, a uh, lot of confidence was when I got my first sales job, but I was completely fronting that, and yeah. it was not genuine. I was just I've... doing that because I'm, like, a salesman's got to be fucking cocky to get his job. Yeah. <laughs> and it worked. I have a lot but... of confidence in my products and in, like... Yeah. I, get, I guess, like... Yeah, the opposite of... See, like, I, I, I have a lot of cynicism, but I, I use it like, like, I'll give you an example. I know I have a good product, right? So 
it's just a numbers game, right? I just got to, I got to show it to this many people. I got to show it to a hundred people. So 10 people will try it. So one person will buy it. Yeah. And that was where my cynicism came in was like, not everyone's going to like it because that's how it works. So I just show more people. And that's how I like took practicality from cynicism. But if I was like, oh, it'll be so easy to sell because everyone's going to buy it. I would have been in a worse position. Yeah. And I think you also, when the rubber hits the road, you learn real fucking quick that you're wrong. Yeah. But then a lot of people throw good money after bad. And even though the rubber has hit the road and they're wrong, they keep spending money on a bad idea. And hey, sometimes that works. <laughs> I see it works. Well, like honestly, the only thing that keeps some businesses going is just the arrogance of the founder. <laughs> yeah, we both know people like that. <laughs> it's just like a pigheadedness that. But just I don't think you somehow can, pushes that shit over. You the can't line. do it forever, though. You can't do it forever, but sometimes you find they find it along the way. And yeah, and are made. I always say eventually they're right. I always say though it's like the Carney method. Yeah, where you pick up. Like, after everyone's wise to your bullshit, you pick up and move somewhere else. Yeah. And that's what you have to do. But then it's much harder now with the internet. And, like, you know, once your business gets is bad, it stays, like, you know. Yeah. Depending I mean, on what the product is. You can only is. reinvent yourself so many times. Before, yeah. It's like... Whoa. That was a bump. It's fine. So I just spilt a little bit of wine, but most of it landed in a different cup. Wasn't there mold <laughs> in this cup? No, no, that's the one I moved. Okay. We keep a very clean bar here. <laughs> um. So what I was going to say about the, the, the idea of being cutthroat in business is I, I got to experience kind of the worst examples of that, like really bad actors that just manipulate people in just bad faith ways and sure that happens a lot but also if you're not cutthroat and not an asshole sometimes you just get walked over by the people that are willing to do that right you can get away with a lot just with like that angry white privilege you know interrogation of someone and or the or an entitlement uh kind of mindset so like uh, what, what I've really kind of agonized over is like, how do I become someone that's really hard edged and cutthroat, but not, but in an ethical way. So I always talk about being respectful, but firm. Right. Right. Same idea. Yeah. So here's a good example is uh, actually the wine that we're currently drinking. Um, this it's is our really firm. This is our uh, our rosé made from Manitoba grapes, and it's obviously quite acidic and dry because mm -hmm. I grow grapes in a region that you shouldn't be able to grow grapes in. So it doesn't happen super often, but I've had a couple people complain about it. Yeah. Well, And mostly because their palates are bad. Fair. Um, but they're like, oh, it's turned to vinegar. Right. And it's like, no, it's just acidic. Yeah. And like, fine, you don't like that. That's fine. But don't be like, this is bad. You sold me a bad product. It's fucking vinegar. Uh, my partner's getting, like after it happened, I think it happened like three times in the last couple months. And uh, he got, he was, he's like, the next person that asked me that, I'm going to pour them a shot of white vinegar and to try to make them blind taste tested. 
Right. Does this taste like fucking vinegar to you? <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, it, like for the record, if a wine has gone bad and, it, and it's turned to vinegar, you will know. Yeah. It's not like, oh, it'll, it tastes kind of vinegary. It is, you will. Undrinkable. You will fucking, yeah, blah, blah, blah. like it literally will taste like white vinegar you put on your fucking fries. Yeah. Uh, just kidding. Most of our audiences in America and they don't do that. Fuck you guys. Yeah, they're so weird. I remember being in America and asking for vinegar for the fries. And they're like, can I have uh, some vinegar? And they're like, what? And I'm like, v- malt like, vinegar? <laughs> like vinegar. And they and they had to like pour it out of a big eight yeah. liter jug into a thing. Dope. Um, but anyway, um, so I've had, there was only one person a couple weeks ago that asked for a refund. Yeah. And I said, like, unless there's a defect with the product, I'm not going to refund you a bottle just because you didn't like it. No. There's a reason why we have 15 products. Like, not everyone's fucking palate is the same. And uh, I'm sorry you didn't enjoy it, but I'm not going to refund you because you didn't like a product. Yeah. And uh, I used a my customer service tone. I'm being very rude right now saying it, but, like, sure. I, I was very... I was respectful, but and they kept pushing it, and I was very firm with, like, no, like, I'm stand behind my products and I'm not, you know, just because you, it wasn't to your taste. I'm not giving you, no, I'm not refunding the bottle. Yeah. You know, it's like, and, it's like me installing a product for someone and they're like, well, I don't like it. I'd be like, well, you fucking paid for it. You yeah. bought it. You chose it. Yeah. So, you know, it is what it is like. And, and, and definitely like if there's people like, and especially it's so hard to know because I sell to so many people, tens of thousands of people, right? It's so hard to know if someone actually is trying to scam you. Yeah, or absolutely. They're, or they're trying... You know, it's like the people that eat 90% of a steak and then go, oh, it was, it was uh, overdone. I, I need it free. Yeah. Right? It's like, how am I supposed to know this person didn't drink half the bottle or all the bottle? Because there's been a couple times where I'm like, okay, bring the bottle back. This was more... This was like earlier days when I didn't know as much. Yeah. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. if you want to return the bottle, bring the bottle back. And then they'd be like, oh, I poured it out. Right. And I'm like, how the fuck am I supposed to know you didn't drink it all? And then trying to get me to refund it. Yeah. Like, and like, I'm sure most of my customers wouldn't do that, but how the fuck am I supposed to know? Right. Man. The, uh, one of the first, um, consumer, I guess, what is it? It's not consumer law. Uh, Okay, so we're going to take another We're going to take a second shot because on shot caller, if we take a shot that's under 40%, we always take another one. Anyway, we went to like a consumer court in uh, for BC. And so if you're like a consumer of any product, instead of, like, you can file a civil suit and they have like a specific one that's meant like to protect consumers. Okay, because we only have uh, just... Small claims here. Yeah, so it, this is a level between small claims and the suing and, and nothing. Oh, okay. So oh, it's, so it's, it's even like lower. It's below actually. civil claims. Yeah. Okay, it's just arbitration. Small claims is like fifty bucks to get yeah. in front of a judge. Well, it's not different in cost, but it's in terms of like it's it's pre legal. It's basically like an arbitration system. Okay, so it's like between not, consumers and companies. They're not like peace. They're not like justices. No. Or like anyone you okay. No, they're like they're basically basically like lawyers, and then if you can't settle it, then it goes to a civil suit. Yeah. Okay. So I got involved in a couple of these, and one of them. What was this for? Sorry, what company? Oh, uh, can you say it or? Yeah, for the real estate coaching. Right. Okay. So guy bought guy buys digital product. Yeah. And this is a 
$5,000 package. Why are we in a BC court? Because we're doing events in BC. Oh, okay. And he bought so, it in BC. Yeah. Oh, okay. Even though you were headquartered here and it was a digital product, you still had to go to court because there? Because we sold it there. Did you fly out there? Yeah, we were there. It was an event. Oh, and they sued you fast enough that you... <laughs> no, no, no. Like, it was done weeks later. Yeah, but how did you... Because we refused to refund them, but it's it, it was all but done over, you... it's all done over the phone. Oh, okay. I was going to say, did you fly back to court? No. Okay. No, you don't have to. You okay, can okay. either... Uh, it's all done over the phone, and then you can... Uh, if there's actual court, whatever, obviously you can send a representative. Yeah. But... Um, Zoom court, baby. Yeah. That was before real. that, but... <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, so this arbitration started over the phone, and our defense was basically we sold this guy a digital product... And his issue with it was the production value of the videos wasn't very good. Although the content was exactly what he had paid for. But he's like, oh, this is just a recycled webinar. It's like, well, it's a recorded training video. Like, it's it's no different than if you were to go get a university degree online. Same idea. Yeah, you're not going to sue your university for giving you a online course versus a in-person yeah. course. It was like four, between four and six hundred hours of content. Plus, there was like a physical binder, uh, like a physical asset, which was, um, I don't know, somewhere between 250 and 400,000 words. Like, not insignificant, in addition to the digital. And then there was, uh, on top of that, an actual, like, active live, uh, whatever, weekly webinar, I think, where you could actually interact with the coaches. Or no, it was monthly, monthly webinar. So it's like, it was a pretty good product. It was kind of, it was worth the money. If you're, you know, if that's what you're looking for, obviously, if you're not into real estate, it's not worth a fucking dime to you. But anyways, this guy buys his digital product. He has access to it. He has an access key for a month because he paid for it. We give it to him. Paid for it in full up front. And he tries to get a refund on it. And I'm like, I'm not going to refund you a digital product you've had access to for a month. And you could have copied all the assets out of it. And now you just want to say that you thought the production value was too low and you wanted to get the money back. And it's like, did you have like a money back no. policy at all? Even if it was like 24 hours, it was, I think the uh, refund policy that we had was seven days. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. So that's a reasonable refund policy. I would yeah, say. Yeah. It was yeah. something like that, but that's before we would give the access key. Cause it would take about seven days processing before we'd whatever, give people their access to the information and like an onboarding whole process. Like if, you wanted to refund before the onboarding was finished then sure but after he got into the product started watching the stuff he's like oh i don't like how these look um obviously i hadn't consumed the consumed the information couldn't have because it was you know hours that he had spent on it so yeah he's like i want my money back and we're like no fuck you you've had access to a digital uh, digital product and you could copy it you have fully taken possession of it and ownership of it you can't just change your mind about it and yeah it was uh it was a very interesting like the i could tell that the person that was doing the arbitration was expecting an open shut because i think she's dealt with a lot of these things before and like where they were like legitimate scammers and right so not that you weren't you may have been a legitimate scammer. Who knows? I was a really legitimate scammer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so the person doing the arbitration... Wasn't your idea, though. <laughs> no. Yeah, she was... Uh, I think she was kind of surprised with my defense-like line of reasoning. And it it really dragged on. And I ended up quitting the company before it concluded. <laughs> and uh, as soon as I left, 
it like it went down to whatever another person in the company and then literally next phone call they lost the case whatever money had to go back to this fucking guy but i think it just went to like the bookkeeper she didn't know what the fuck was going on couldn't mount an argument but i'm like god damn i should be a lawyer this is a lot of fun (laughs) right don't want to be a lawyer no me neither uh but yeah it was it was really interesting because it's that same idea of like this guy could just be a scam artist like who knows if he just goes to seminars buys shit gets it and then files suit to get a refund because he knows the consumer laws in bc are the most consumer oriented in the entire country and companies will just be like yeah whatever and then he could be reselling it who knows or he could just be a guy that has that likes spending money on shit and then just has buyer's remorse and gets away with it yeah which is like a real thing buyer's remorse is a real fucking thing yeah and even if somebody completely wants to buy the thing in the moment they change their mind later on and chargebacks credit card chargebacks uh they can really be a facility for that person to you know get their money back which really sucks i think a credit card chargeback if you pursue it is a legal action i believe uh sort of because it's extra legal it's done within it's 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 done and arbitrated by visa and mastercard correct me if i'm wrong if you knowingly like if you do a chargeback even though you've received the product you can be charged with fraud right like, but legally. that's that that would be that would be additional to the chargeback procedure well i guess visa would like come to their conclusion and then you could sue well visa would have a a lawyer that would file a thing against you yeah but i think you can get like fined by like the government for yeah, fraud for sure because visa would have excellent documentation of you committing that fraud and yeah. they would you know refer it to the legal department and the legal department would prefer would would then pursue that through the courts. We but, um, but the actual chargeback is like a legal procedure, but it is actually completely within a private corporation. The only time I've ever done a credit card chargeback, um, I've never done one as a consumer. Um, I don't give a shit about buyer's remorse. I'm like I'm one of those people that like I would buy something on Amazon doesn't fit. I just take the L. Yeah, literally. Right, like fuck it. Um, the only time we ever did it was um, we were. We had a debit machine for this com- from this company. I won't name. Mm-hmm. And we switched off of it, and I emailed them to cancel the contract. But we didn't have a contract. I didn't sign shit. Yeah. And then I, I'm like, hey, I want to, like, cancel it, whatever, right? So I guess there was these two separate companies, but they worked together. Yeah. One was for the physical machine. One was for, like, the processing. Yeah. So when I called to cancel... The person for the processing was like, yeah, whatever, um, set me up, canceled the account, closed all the bank accounts, like took all the whatever, all that, closed the account and then cl- like closed it. So I didn't have a password anymore, like closed it. Right. Yeah. And then we kept getting charged for the machine hmm. because it was like separate. Right. Yeah. So then we call and then this took us a while to notice because I have fucking 5,000 charges every month. Um, but when we so we contacted them. Um, and I mean, it was like 30, 40, 50, 60 bucks a month, whatever it was. And they said, well, okay, yeah, we can cancel it. We just need like all your login information. And I'm like, well, that was all, they're like, go online, log in. It's like, well, I don't have that account anymore. I've closed it. Right. Yeah. And then, so we're, you know, we get bounced around to people complaining, blah, blah, blah. And we eventually get to someone that's like, yeah, well, it's in, you signed a three-year contract. So you have to pay, you have, you have to pay us $2,000 to buy your, buy it out or just keep paying the monthly payments for three years. Yeah. 
And then I said, show me the contract, like send me the contract. And they said, yep, yep. We'll get our, you know, legal account to do that right away. Another month goes by, we pay it. It comes out of, like, cause it's a pre-authorized debit or whatever. Right. Another month goes out, it takes it out of our bank account. No one ever sent me a fucking contract. So we call an email again. Okay. If we're under fucking contract, show us this fucking contract. Still another month goes by. They charge us no contract. No one ever does it. We charge back the, the charge, or I guess it was on credit card, whatever mm-hmm. we charge back the charge. Um, it gets reversed. Never charge us again. Hmm. Yeah. Because and this is like a big company and they were straight up lying. Cause I didn't sign shit. They were straight up being like, no, you have a contract and just kept charging us. And when we said, let's see the contract, they just kept charging us and ignoring us. Because it, uh, also fun fact, when you initiate a chargeback, the second you hit that button, it actually will remove that money from the company's account and it holds it in escrow. Like the, yeah. it's, it's held in suspension until that's settled. And I was, um, I was prepared to do that every month. Yeah. But I no, I had to go down to the bank to do it. Yeah. Which is why we also, didn't. You can, you know, you can file a stop payment on a pre-auth. That's what we had to do. Do you reverse it or do you stop payment? Both. Okay. Um, but uh, stop payment costs you like five bucks. Yes, that's <laughs> well. Okay, I uh, every time we yeah we we did the stop payment or whatever, um, because we could do that online, but yeah. the removing the pre auth we had to go down to the bank and we were like busy and we didn't do it for and then we kept forgetting. Yeah. Um. So I probably gave them four or five months worth of fucking payments I shouldn't have but the fact that as soon as I stopped it they didn't try to reach out and be like hey why'd you cancel this this is illegal you broke our three-year contract yeah no you just walked away. there was no fucking contract yeah and they were just lying to and that's fucking scummy and this is a big company like yeah yeah there's a lot of that shit where there's these middlemen that will put up a lot they'll like put up a lot of fight and they'll make a big stink about well, something is, when, what, when there's not a lot of substance. What is it. the, um, Oh fuck. Now I forget. There's the, um, there's a business like a big one that just counts on people. Not, Oh, it's like, um, free month. You get the first month free, free mm-hmm. trial, but you have to put your credit card number in. Yeah. And I read, uh, I, read an article or something about, I remember reading about this recently. I was like, what? Because the numbers they were using seemed ridiculous, like billions of dollars. I'm like, what? But apparently there's like billions of dollars of people that just fuck up and forget to remove their credit card number. Yeah. Charges them once and then they stop it and they could get a refund, but they just, it's not worth the hassle for $13. Right. And like this company that I fucking, Forbes or whoever was doing an investigation was like, oh yeah, this company made like $6 billion just on that. On just like people being too either lazy, shy or whatever to get their $12 back. Yeah. And I'm like, excuse what? <laughs> like that's a wild fucking business plan. Yeah. Never put your fucking credit card into a machine that you're not expecting to get charged. Yeah. Never. Unless you're fully committed. Yeah. yeah never. <laughs> yeah. I don't. Yeah. That was, I don't think that's a big thing anymore, but that used to be a bigger thing where it was like, free trial put your credit card number in yeah it's a lot harder to sell these people days. don't do that anymore but now there's also serve like now there's the counter services there's tech companies that have um that will just take care of all the unsubscribe bullshit for you 
where they uh you can just be like i want to unsubscribe that and get a refund and they do all the legwork and then you pay them and they get a cut of look at the this money you get back. <laughs> look at this this is yeah, an it, industry out of an industry yeah, yeah exactly it's a big but it, it really kind of tamped that down i think because now you had a you know you had a very competent big company going against another big company and they just settled quick because like oh fuck these guys are calling whatever settle it yeah it's yeah. not worth it yeah um and it's that kind of perceived power against power which just settles quick and then everyone kind of wins which i think is hilarious there's nothing that's kind of like that there's a guy locally here shout out radar rodney who uh He's a, uh, I guess, former or current lawyer. I think he's a f- current lawyer, but like former police officer or something like that. Anyway, but he helps you with your radar tickets, right? Or uh, radar tickets or parking tickets, speeding ticket, any tickets. He, he helps you with them. And the deal is he gets whatever he gets knocked off the ticket, you split it with him. So like I, I go to him. And he's great because you can just like mail him your ticket and you just sign on the back. Like, yeah, I give Radar Rodney my approval to deal with this. And then he just deals with it for you and he sends you an email like of an invoice. So like I had like a $400 speeding ticket. Um, He got it knocked in half by 200 bucks. So I paid him a hundred bucks. I saved a hundred bucks. So that's like the deal. And uh, I was kind of asking people like how this functions like as a business like how does he pull this off how does he get away with it and apparently what it is is like radar rodney walks into the courtroom because and with like 400 tickets because every single person all the people that have paid him right he walks in with a stack of tickets and he goes okay judge every single one of these people has a right like by law i'm their lawyer they have a right to have their full court full case heard so we either take the next nine months going over every single one of these tickets or you agree right now, cut all of them by 50%, no matter what it is. And, uh, and they're like, yep, deal done. And then he just like sends them all to us and be like, yep, got to cut in half. Yeah. You're just gaming the system back, which I think is brilliant. Yeah. I mean- <laughs> Thanks radar. Shout out radar Rodney. If you're in the Winnipeg, Manitoba area, I highly recommend him. He's gotten me out of some jams. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that kind of goes to the idea that I was building to of how do you become, how do you maintain a cutthroat uh, personality in business and just a way of operating that's still ethical I think Radar Rodney's got the right idea, <laughs> for sure. And Well, it's always ethical to fuck the government over. <laughs> true. And it's always ethical to hold someone to their commitment, I think. Okay. Like, so, so for example, like me with this glass company, where they're kind of fucking me around. Um, you paid for a product. You should get the product. Yeah, and well, I, I will not hesitate to either ask for a refund or ask for the situation to be rectified, you know, more quickly than the original service was provided like there's there should be a certain expediency and expectation to i guess remedying something that you made a mistake of and it's like i'm not gonna let you fucking go like i'm not giving you an inch most of the west and i'll be an asshole about it most of the west especially canada and america are built on contract law right like that's how capitalism is built is agreements between two people right yeah and i think I, I'm I'm a pretty big proponent. I think like, I love yeah, contract law. If you make a contract, you should honor the contract, right? Yeah. Like that's a, if only the government was held to that 
same. Oh yeah, no, I've had, <laughs> I've had like, well, I've fucking, I, yeah, I've had the Manitoba Liquor Board literally break written contracts, and yep. just tell me to go my fuck myself. Like, oh, if you don't like it, sell liquor somewhere else. Yeah, constantly. And- that's literally politicians. And what am I going to do? Like, I could sue them, but then they've also said, okay, if you sue us, we're going to remove your liquor from all our stores. Yeah. Like, so, yeah. It's fine. Contract law, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, it's it's great for companies and also... Uh, Everyone, every individual, yeah, right? You especially make... for governments, because they don't have to follow it. Okay, well... <laughs> whatever. Anyway, we'll transition here into the... Uh, Final segment of the show that we call <gasps> Tip of the Week or Tip of the Morning or whatever. <laughs> I cut out the, uh, the maybe if you are listening by now, um, you'll, I will have changed it, but I couldn't fucking change the music intro to yeah. not get YouTube's auto copyright strike. I tried pitching it down. I tried pitching it up. I tried fucking editing it. I couldn't get it. So I'm going to have to yeah. like re-record it like the entire music I think myself to like not get <laughs> you that's some commitment to the bit well but I can't I'm just I'm I'm behind editing episodes because my summers are so busy so I'm yeah. not gonna fucking do this so I've just removed it at this point but uh it will be coming back <laughs> at some point it will so make a comeback it will perfect. make a comeback so tip of the morning do you have a I got one off the top of my head I'm gonna start with sure I just I I I, I could have gone on for a fucking hour rant when I was talking earlier about like having confidence in your product, like enough to be like, no, this is a good product. You just don't like it. Yeah. And I've said that to people because yeah, you're fucking like, especially with alcohol. You, I hate vodka. <laughs> Fair. And vodka is the highest selling fucking thing. Dude. So many people hate wine, just wine in general. Yeah. Or beer or whatever. Right. Something I love people just hate. Yeah. And it's not a bad this that sidebar pisses me off so much. There's a fucking app called Untapped where you rate beers. Yeah. And people fucking rate good beers one star because they didn't like it. Yeah. When you like if you ever go to a it, professional wine taster or beer tasting or whiskey tasting thing, they don't judge it based on how they liked it. They judge it based on, does it hit this characteristic? Does it yeah. taste like this, how it should? Like, do you get notes of this? Oh, dude, it's like movies. It's like people are like, I didn't like it. So it's a one star. And it's like, this is a beer made to style. Yeah. You just don't like sour beer. Right. But it should taste like this, right? Yeah. So like a, a Cicerone that's like objective would be like, I don't like sours, but this hits all the marks. It's a four out of five, right? Right. But you get fucking people on this app that just rate shit zero. Based on personal one, preference. Based on personal preference, which is just, don't get me fucking started on this shit. <laughs> I was, but, but like, I think movies is a great parallel because people just say like, oh, that movie sucked. It's like, well, no, actually it, it was really good in these I, ways. Here, I always say this. Change your language from it was bad to I didn't enjoy it. Right. Right? Because exactly. a lot of times it's Big not. Difference. It's the huge difference. Right? And it's valid to not like something. Yeah. That's fine. Everyone does. But saying it was bad. Is saying it's objectively bad. Yeah. So which a lot of things that people don't like are objectively not bad. Yeah. Right? So like that communism. happens. With my product a lot, different, like, I, fucking, um, my raspberry wine. I had someone give me a one-star review on Google because it tasted like juice, quote. 
Well, like, and that's one of the biggest compliments I get about it is that it tastes like juice. Yeah. <laughs> it's fermented raspberries. What the fuck do you want it to taste like? Coke? This is what it's supposed to taste like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, or I had that's a... That's all that's in there is I, juice. I had a one-star review from... It's old juice! What do you think wine is? What it's, do you think wine is? It's, I fer- had, it's fermented juice, buddy. <laughs> we got a one-star review for our uh, vodka sodas for being tasted like flavored water. It's like... Oh, my God. Yeah. It's supposed to. I told my friend that, and then he gave us a five-star review immediately after and said it tastes like... He did the, the same review. Yeah. He's like, it tastes like water. And like the copy pasted from the other review and then dot, 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 because it's supposed to. <laughs> like, but... Amazing. Yeah. So my tip of the morning is to have enough confidence in your product as a business owner that you can be like, no... You just didn't like it. And that's fine. But I'm not going to let you tell me. Like, I'm not up at night thinking about how these people don't like one of my wines. Yeah. Because I know in my heart that it is a product that I stand behind. Yeah. And if it's not, you shouldn't be selling it. That's a whole different (laughs) argument. But um, I think having that confidence behind your own products and producing stuff that you personally think is worth selling to somebody you can't go wrong. I think that's the that's the biggest baseline you should make on your business, and you you can't be knocked off that pedestal. Yeah, absolutely agree. I have customers that ask for things, and I will vigorously disagree with them because I know that the final result is bad or not whatever. Like maybe the maintenance will suck. Like living with it will suck, even though it looks good in the magazine. Like you're not gonna like it in three months, and therefore I'm gonna make you change your mind, or I'm just. I'm just going to be like, you know what? I'm not going to warranty this type of thing. I'm not going, there's no satisfaction guarantee on this because I advise you against it. Uh, And just make that very clear and take a stance on it. Even if you disagree with the customer, because in a lot of cases, especially when it comes to, you know, design oriented things, uh, things that are very subjective, people think they like something. uh, But in reality, when it stares them in the face and they have to live with it every day, they're like, oh, this is gaudy. This is cliched. This is terrible. This is gross. Or maybe this is just impractical. I don't like it. Like, this is something that I don't actually enjoy. Like, it look cool in the picture, but fuck this. And I see this shit every day. It's like, I can, I, I will give you sound advice on what you should do because I genuinely care about what I put out. Dude, I see people like, chug Bud Light and fucking baby duck. Hurts me. People just don't. It's fine. Honestly, like I am I am not a wine snob. I'm very like if you like it, you like it. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Um but the average consumer just doesn't know. No. Which is fine. I just wanted some alcohol. True. Want some juice. True. Some spicy juice. Um, Why is it spicy? <laughs> I think my uh, tip of the tip of the morning would kind of go back to my initial points about just suffering in the service industry, where you gotta anticipate getting fucked. And how are you going to build against it instead of thinking that you're immune to it for whatever noble reasons or 
attributes you think that you have. Nobody's immune to this, and it doesn't matter how much you like someone or how much you think you are liked by someone. Um, that shit can turn really fast, and before you know it, you'll be out on your ass, and you'll be like, oh my god, how did that happen? They fucked me over, and you're a victim. Yeah, sure, you're a victim, but... N- being a victim doesn't get you anything and unfortunately in today's society being a victim can be you know respected and appreciated by other people like victimhood is almost glorified which i mean i don't want to waste any time on that topic but it's the uh sopranos where christopher says to um rest in peace uh what tony sicaro what was his character's name polly mm-hmm where he says, uh, it's like, don't you ever worry, like, nothing good will ever happen to you in life? And then Polly goes, yeah, and it didn't, so what? <laughs> <laughs> Rest in peace, King. Yeah, that. Expect to get fucked, and uh, there ain't no friends in business. Doesn't mean you can't be friendly, doesn't mean you can't be nice, <laughs> doesn't mean you can't be a trustworthy person and have ethics. But like it's, you said, everyone's out for number one. Everyone's out for number one, and you just can't take it personally. I think number one is never take it personally when people do something shitty to you or to your friends. Uh, you can treat them, you know, as a pariah. You can be like, that person's got no fucking ethics. That person doesn't value personal relationships. And you can just tag them as that and be like, hey, don't trust that person. They're going to fuck you. Um, that's fine, but you don't need to take that personally at the same time. Like, there's people out there that I will, like I just won't associate with because that's their entire mentality is, like, I'm out for number one, fuck everyone else. It's like, great, you can do that, but I'm not going to associate with you. Which is your right. Exactly. So you do you, I'll do me, fuck you, stay out of my way. And it's just I'm not going to do business with you or I'm not going to associate with you. I'm not going to be friend to you. I'm not going to be helpful to you, like... I don't care to be in your network because I don't agree with you. Both both those things can be okay, and you still not take it personally. So, yeah, be fucking out aware. And uh, I hope this is a wake-up call to somebody. Thanks for listening to Alcohol Beyond This Point. This was episode 81, um, where I think we really did stay on business topics pretty much the yeah, it's really entire out of, time. really out of character. Really out of character for us, but uh, wow. Alcohol Beyond This Point podcast. This isn't two podcasters talking business. This is two business guys trying to podcast.